Welcome to Dog Talk and Kitties Too. This episode features one of the three guests who were part of my weekly hour-long NPR show broadcast over the air every Sunday on WLIW-FM 88.3, the only NPR station on Long Island, where it is broadcast continuously for 14 years. I'm Tracy Hotchner. I wrote the Dog Bible, Everything Your Dog Wants You to Know, as well as the Cat Bible, Everything Your Cat Expects You to Know. I'm also the founder and director of the New York Dog Film Festival. The 8th annual New York City premiere will be October 2023, along with the 5th annual New York Cat Film Festival before traveling the country, supporting local animal welfare groups. This show is about dogs, cats, and other creatures who share the planet with us. Please check out my other Pet Talk podcasts at TracyHotchnerPets.com. I would not be able to bring you this show without the generous support of Dr. Elsie's, the privately owned litter and cat food company founded by Dr. Bruce Elsie, a feline-only veterinarian. He personally created many styles of litter to make sure that even the fussiest cats would not have out-of-litter box problems, the number one reason people abandon their kitties. Dr. Elsie also created his own brand of cat food called Clean Protein, the first dry cat food I can recommend because it's based on the protein found in a cat's natural prey. This show would not be possible without the longtime support from Waruva, the pet food company founded and privately run by David Foreman, who named it after his rescued kitties, Webster, Rudy, and Vanessa. Waruva is a quirky name for a company with whimsical names for the dozens of different cans and pouches of cat food they make. But what sets them apart is how serious David is about high-quality nutrition. They were the first pet food company to use human edible ingredients and process them in the same facilities that make human food. Other pet food companies may have copied them over time, but Waruva remains privately owned and run, accountable only to their own high standards, not investors who focus on profits. I am so delighted to meet Dr. Robert Duquette. He has a very long, fancy title at Merck. Associate Director of Veterinary Professional Services for Companion Animals in the western part of the United States. He's the nicest man, and he spends a tiny part of his very busy life being the co- the coordinator of the Street Dog Coalition, which was what piqued my interest. But Dr. Duquette, it's so great to have you here. And after we talk about the Street Dog Coalition, because the people who live on the streets with their animals are of great interest um, to me, and the compassion of Merck for reaching out to them is really, really impressive. I also want to talk about that other long title of yours. So welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Tracy. It's a pleasure to be here. The Street Dog Coalition, as I understand it, is a backing of vets who want to reach out to the homeless and their animals, or is it something different than that? Well, the the Street Dog Coalition, it, it started back in, I, I think, around 2015 by um, Dr. John Geller in Fort Collins, Colorado. Okay. And what it does was um, provide a, a group of people to provide care to the pets of the homeless population. You know, it was initially in Fort Collins and it's expanded across the U.S. But it's it's kind of a bottom-up organization. Um, And now it's it's moved 
towards a one health approach because, you know, I think we all recognize what happened with with COVID, Mm -hmm. that health of animals and health of people is very much related. And also the, the, the people who are homeless or at risk of homelessness, you know, their, their lives are, are, are obviously very stressful and the, the pets that they have bring them such support, companionship, mm-hmm. and just overall love. They're, they're such a, of an important part of their existence. That was the idea with really how Street Dogs came about. Now, was was that doctor in Fort Collins, Colorado, someone who worked with Merck or simply someone who came to the attention of Merck? Kind of a bit of both. Well, he didn't work with Merck. He knew of Merck. But when we started at Merck, what we call our unconditional campaign, right, which is our support of the the veterinary profession on an unconditional basis, um, kind of the way I think of being unconditional is how our pets love us unconditionally and support us right. no matter what. Mm-hmm. And so Merck wanted to reach out and support the veterinary profession because everybody in the veterinary profession, you know, in the animal care industry. It's, it's a stressful job, and we want them to be able to, to provide the best care and compassion for the, the pets that they care for. So um, Dr. Tracy Rock, who was one of our pharmacovigilance vets, already had been involved with the Street Dog Coalition. And after our unconditional campaign came about, she reached out and said, hey, this is such a great opportunity for Merck to partner and support this organization. And it grew from there. And um, Tracy, uh, the the initial partnership started back in 2019, 2020, and it's just expanded every year. It's it's very touching to me to know that there are so many people in the veterinary profession, and that includes the massive number of people who work for a giant corporation like Merck, who each individually say, here's something good happening. Let's stand behind it. Let's prop it up. Let's grow it. And then people at a giant corporation say, sure. I think that there's a perception, and it's not incorrect, that the larger the the corporation, the company, particularly in the pharmaceutical field, which is so complex and international, there's a sense that, well, you could probably, it's like that they say about, you know, the Titanic, it's really hard to move a giant ship it's hardly nimble, you know, if it's headed in a direction to move it a little bit is really hard. But it seems like Merck is quite different, that it seems to be made up of a of a lot of people who individually can say, here's something worth doing. And some other people don't say, well, we better get that through the committee or we're going to have to vote on that or I'm not sure that fits into, you know, a, a kind of a box we already have. Am I Am I wrong in that perception? Having talked to, to Joseph Hahn and having spent some time talking to people at the VMX Veterinary Conference who were aligned with Merck, I thought, boy, this is such a human kind of company. And it's it's not like some mom-and-pop organization. It's quite the opposite. Do you have that feeling working there? A hundred percent. And Merck as a whole, both the, the human health as well as the animal health Oh, that's side, right. Um, they've always had a culture of, of giving back. And Merck, one of our, our big things that we offer everybody who works for Merck is you can have a week's paid work where you are out giving back to your community and volunteering. Wow. And um, that's, 
just an amazing thing that that Merck has offered, and they, they have such a, a culture of philanthropy here, as as well as giving back to the wider and even your local community. Because you know everything really is is at a local level that makes such a difference, and being able to give back to wherever you live across the United States. Well, in theory, I mean, but it doesn't really work like that yeah. in practice because everyone's, it seems to me, in big corporations, many of which I've, you know, had uh, interactions with as a pet industry media person and as someone who wants pet parents to know stuff and understand stuff and be better consumers of veterinary care and products that are made, it seems like some of the bigger corporations have been gobbled by even bigger corporations, and there's no there there. You can't get an answer. And there's like 14 PR people making sure everyone's saying the right thing and using the right words, and it's like treading so carefully. It's I think it's quite extraordinary to have a company this big that simply says, goodness is good, we support it, and not worried about words that are used, like is homeless a word that is now politically incorrect and, you know, the temporarily unhoused. I mean, it, you know what I mean, Bob? It's really important that a company this big say, whatever you're doing this good, it's good. And if you, you know, you don't have to worry about using the exact language or dotting every I and crossing every T. I think it's it's such a great beacon of hope in a world where larger corporations are seen as somewhat evil, unfortunately, right? I mean, that's just kind of a, a, a misunderstanding about them. And particularly when you say pharmaceutical, you then there's some, there's, some, there's some bad connotations with that. Instead of understanding that pharmaceuticals, probably many of us wouldn't be alive without them, or certainly our pets wouldn't be, but even some of we humans, Right. I mean, the, the value of pharmaceuticals is immeasurable. Most of we ordinary people have no clue how much what has been done by pharmaceutical companies from day one makes life safe and and possible. We're alive because of it. We didn't die as little infants, for example, and our puppies did, and kittens didn't die as baby puppies and kittens. Do you think that that's true? I mean, when you say I work for... Merck, if someone doesn't know that it's a big pharmaceutical company, do people in just regular life, not within the veterinary profession, do they want to understand more? Do they seem to have a little chip on their shoulder about it? Well, I 100% agree. Even before, um, well, th there still is when you hear the word big pharma, yes. I don't think people think warm and fuzzy. Um, yes. 100%. <laughs> but it is just, I, and I, I kind of had that, um, you know, attitude back in prior to, to coming to Merck. But I feel I, I'm so honored and privileged to work for such an amazing company that I do think does exactly with what you're saying. They want to give back. They want to, to support, you know, the health of both humans and animals. And it's interesting to say, you know, how it does. Um, products do save our lives. And aside from clean water, vaccines themselves have saved more lives than anything else that that we've had available to us and they've really transformed you know in both our, our lives as humans as well as people and you mentioned those awful childhood diseases yes and even think you know back a hundred years ago um we didn't have the vaccines available that we do now and how they really have transformed everybody's life around the world 
And if you look at the the vaccine pushback during COVID is not worth any conversation. It doesn't belong here, although everyone knows that I am extremely pro-vaccination for all animals and people whenever it's available, as long as it doesn't compromise some other health thing they have going on. But I had a puppy who got parvo, and he was vaccinated, but probably by the breeder. It was a Bedlington Terrier when I was a teenager. I had grown up with Bedlingtons as a baby, my first sibling was Pango, who was six months old when I was born. His grandfather supposedly won best in show at Madison Square Garden as a Bedlington Terrier, which I never believed, by the way, because whoever heard of Bedlington Terriers? But I looked it up. Turns out it was actually true. But but Falstaff, who was a later generation of Bedlington, if you don't give vaccines properly to puppies and kittens in the right sequence at the right age— and even in humans, after weaning, depending on you know how long they're breastfed, they don't necessarily work if they're not done properly. And he got parvo, and I'm sure some of you out there, rescuers and shelter people, have seen entire litters of puppies desperately ill from parvo and almost entirely dying. Um, actually, it was distemper that, that Falstaff had, and that's also a complete killer of puppies. And the and the kittens have so many viruses that kill them. I just think that the idea that, oh, I'm not going to vaccinate my puppies. I'm going to leave the whole, the litter. I'll let the litter have, you know, herd immunity or some really quack idea has never seen a puppy get those diseases and have a slow and miserable death from it. I think what's, what's odd, I, I don't know your age, I'm probably older than you. I feel sometimes older than everybody. But I have a scar on my thigh from having gotten smallpox vaccine in a little glass vial that was scratched into my thigh. People today have no idea what smallpox is. They don't get vaccinated against it because it got eradicated with vaccines. Is that something that that seems to be missing in the education piece to pet owners and the importance of vaccines for their animals? My mini donkeys got four or five a year. There were so many vaccines for mini donkeys. Do you think that's something that people need to learn more about and have more respect and appreciation for? Well, it's it's a education is always important, and I think everybody's always in, in favor of that. And I think veterinarians, as well as the veterinary profession, we're doing a lot better now about educating pet owners about the need for vaccines. But there is a lot of misinformation, like you said, out there about yep. vaccines. And you mentioned both parvo and distemper. Um, either one are, are horrendous yeah. um, diseases that can afflict our 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 puppies and or even adult dogs. And, you know, parvo hasn't been around that long, at least the canine parvo that we now still see. But when it initially surfaced, you know, it was just devastating back yes. in the early 70s, where like, you know, most puppies, there were no vaccines yet. That's and right. Everybody was dying right, left, and center from it. And at least now, it is more the exception than the rule. But you, you mentioned, you know, the one of the biggest confusing things about vaccines is it's the interference of that protection that they get from their mother yes. when they're, they're first born. And that provides them with protection against some of these awful diseases. But it also makes the vaccine not work exactly. As well. So you have to keep, yeah, you've got to keep vaccinating, and until you reach the point where those maternally derived antibodies are no longer interfering 
to allow the puppy or the kitten or the, the miniature donkey's yeah. system to develop to protect themselves. It's interesting because I think it's important to have the conversation. Merck does many things other than vaccines. I mean, it's it it's far-ranging in the creation of, of many great pharmaceuticals. But I think it's important that people are not so wary out of their own ignorance. There was a time, unfortunately, when there were vets who were vaccinating for rabies every year, which was really not the protocol. And it made people think that vets were over-vaccinating and harming their animals. So then they pushed back against any kind of vaccinating, kind of in theory, without understanding how different the diseases are and where you live and how you live and how that affected your animal's need for it. And I think that's something that the veterinary profession may already understand, that it really does take that extra time in the exam room to explain the importance, the life-saving importance of vaccines. In my case, with my older dogs, I get the titer done. Do they still have antibodies in their system that are protecting them? But that takes more time and more money. So if you just want to do the, you know, put the, the blanket umbrella over them, then you vaccinate on a schedule. But I think all these things are really important for the people on the street. And just to go back to the Street Dog Coalition and wrapping up, people on the street have no way to get veterinary care. Hey, they have no way to get medical care for themselves. It's a terrible situation. So if the Street Dog Coalition vets can offer vaccines and parasite protection to these animals, they've given more life and more quality of life and health to the animals that are supporting the people emotionally who have nothing else. So it all kind of comes full circle. And I, I really admire Merck for, for having their unconditional campaign and expressing it in a way that does not bring any extra money or PR to Merck. The homeless people that are being served by the Street Dog Coalition don't go on Instagram and say, thank you, Merck, right? I mean, that's just not how they're living. They're just barely surviving. So Merck is doing it selflessly and out of a sense of, of human compassion and caring about everybody, not just the people that can, in a sense, benefit Merck. So I appreciate that, and I appreciate you taking time from what must be a very complex job to do what you can to make sure that the vets that want to be a Street Dog Coalition vet have a chance to do that and do it well. So thank you, Dr. Robert Duquette, and to Merck for this wonderful project. Well, thank you, Tracy. It was a pleasure speaking with you. Thanks for listening. There are a few more special companies that make this show possible. I hope you will try their products because they support my mission to entertain you with valuable information and advice. This show is supported by Wonderside, a company founded and run by a woman entrepreneur who wanted to find an effective natural way to keep fleas, ticks, and other pests away from her pets and home instead of putting toxic chemicals in or on them. Wonderside makes plant-powered products to keep parasites at bay without dousing your pets and property with ingredients that are harmful to them and the planet. The show is also underwritten by Evermore Pet Food, privately owned by two dedicated women who take human edible, ethically sourced ingredients and gently cook dog food that is then frozen in pouches and shipped right to your door. They founded and run their own company and have been doing that for 14 years and answer only to their own high standards without interference from venture capital investors. I'm also grateful to Earth Animal, 
also privately owned by Dr. Bob and Susan Goldstein, where they create holistic pet wellness products with an emphasis on their stewardship of the Pet Sustainability Coalition. Earth Animal makes a dazzling array of healing products for dogs and cats, as well as the innovative dog chew, No Hide, and the hybrid dog food, Wisdom, which is sometimes all that my picky blue Weimarano Maisie will eat.